You're listening to 91.5 FM WPRK Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College and the best in basement radio. You are tuned into the Motorsports Hour, talking about all sorts of racing. It happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Check us out online at WPRK.org and TheMotorsportsHour.com. Take us with you wherever you are in the world via whatever podcast app you use and uh, check out the podcast whenever you get a chance and all kinds of good stuff there. My name's Clark. I am your host alongside me tonight. As always, Mr. Chris, Wire to Wire. Wire, how are you doing over there, man? I'm well, sir. You are well. Congratulations are in order. Uh, Yeah, it, it was our anniversary this weekend. What anniversary? My, my wife and I's anniversary. That's not it. No, no. It was also my our, our son's first oh, birthday. That's partly it. Okay, yes. So congratulations. Happy yes. anniversary. Yes. And also... Yes. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the Max man. Yes, Max is one year old. Um, uh, June the 1st. Our, our, we were uh, married on June the 3rd. So, you know, really kind of messes everything up. Oh yeah, you're not going to celebrate anything from no till you know maybe he's thirty. Yeah, well, <laughs> I hope he's I hope it's, he's out before he's thirty. Dear God, please yeah, tell the, me he's out of the house before he's the 30. birthday is still going to take priority as yeah. as they do in our house. Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah. Happy birthday to the Max Man. Formula One themed birthday. Very racing nice. themed uh, birthday. Had lots of you know all kinds of race car stuff going on and everything and the banners and and, and everything all kinds of cool stuff so it was a great birthday great time had by all food uh you know well the kids had a great time playing and everything and it rained cats and dogs the entire time thank god we are in our our house that we you know built two years ago and not in our old tiny you know we, we were in a 900 square foot rental when when grace was born uh, so th- 900 square feet does not work for a party of like 45 people with everybody inside. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, that, no. that was nice. And, uh, you know, it was it was a great little Saturday. And, you know, K- kudos to the yeah. F1 mock-up, too. I mean, the, yeah, it was aerodynamically sound. Yeah, yeah. So I, I made this cardboard thing. By the way, if you're looking for something to do for the kids when you have a kid's birthday party, why are your kids a little bit older? Probably not that into this. Get a bunch of cardboard. And a bunch of paint and say, yeah, all the kids, go paint the cardboard thing. So we had, a, like a, I think it was a princess theme or something for Grace when she turned four. Uh, Max is turning one. So I made a race car out of cardboard. And uh, it needed a livery. It did need a livery. It did need a livery. I don't know if I'm going to have them do an Andy Warhol, uh, you know, art car type thing uh, once the race car is ready to, to be done. What I, I would take pictures of it. I would send it off. Say, hey. Here's a couple ideas. Yeah, you know, you know, it's totally organic. It's totally, you know, three and four year old. You know, not that you could tell. No, but yeah, it's totally organic, and you know, we'd love to see you run it as a one-off at Monaco. Well, you know what, Era Motorsports did that at the Rolex. Uh, I don't know if it was this year or the year before. Um, Era Motorsports did that. They had some drawing competition where all these kids drew race cars, and then they took basically. They scanned the race car drawing and put it onto a wrap, and it was this wrap that you know looked like the car was painted or or you know done with a crown, and it was it, it was really cool. I think there's absolutely part of you know part you don't have to dedicate a whole race car to it. you do the hood. 
Yeah. You do a little section of the quarter panel. You do the front of the door, something like that. I mean, it's just a nod to, you know, these young fans that participate in these contests. I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool that they do that. Um, yeah, we will have to figure out something once the car is ready. So building a race car right now, and it's it's coming together, though. But, hey, it, we're getting there. Nonetheless, it was a nice weekend. Capped off Sunday with basically sitting on the couch, watching a bunch of racing and all that kind of stuff, trying to trying to rest because it's, you know, you think, oh, yeah, well, we'll do this. And then all of a sudden my wife is blowing up 500 balloons to build things, and I'm building race cars in the garage, and I'm – Doing all that kind of stuff and everything. But it, it was nice. And, and smoking ribs and, and all that kind of stuff. Where was the anniversary celebration since you couldn't ah, take her to no, the Stanley Cup game? Yeah, I know. Well, thanks for reminding me. Well, I guess we could go down to Fort Lauderdale coming up here in a few days, couldn't we? But, but you wouldn't. No, we wouldn't because uh, we are not Panthers fans. Um, no, uh, we uh, no real celebration. But, you know, what? Here, here's, here's how you know you've been married for six years. You know what I gave my wife? The morning off? Uh, well, I did do that today, but also gave her a new Amazon Alexa. We had literally the original Alexa. We had like the first, you know, like we're talking Gen 1 Alexa here. Uh, so it was time for a new one. Got the what new gen one. are we on now? I don't know, Gen 15 or something. Who knows? But it's got the screen and it shows your pictures, your family photos and all that oh, kind of okay. stuff. Got that. You know what she gave me? Cast iron skillet. Oh, perfect. Oh, and I, and, and like, but like a, it's a griddle. Like a griddle built into the range. Love it. Love yeah. it already. I, I mean, I love griddles. I love cooking on griddles. I love cooking with cast iron, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we're not going to talk about that. we got tons of racing to talk about, Wire. We've got a lot going on. IndyCar at, in Detroit. We've got Formula One uh, over in Spain. Uh, and then we got a little race next weekend in, in France that we need to preview. Yeah, and, and before we get to that, let me, let me curse Spectrum for not allowing me to set up IndyCar as a series to record all of their races. I, yeah, I don't know why it does that. And, but they do that, and you just have to go find every individual race. And every race. Yeah. And, of course, they don't put them all on there. It isn't like you can go look you know, two months in advance, nope. schedule six races in a row. You just have to do it whenever they happen to populate, which you know, I don't remember to do. So, yeah, curse you, Spectrum. Well, I, I I have to do I have to go to the ESPN app all the time to uh, figure out have watch qualifying and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, my F one re- records everything, FP everything. My my my, my I, I record FP everything and racing and qualifying nothing typically. So I don't know what I have it set up as, but nonetheless, let's get to uh, Formula One, shall we? We go to Spain where we have some changes in the circuit this year see um gone is the the last chicane um that was there so it didn't used to be there and they put it in in like 06 07 something like that it's been there for well ever since they took it out this year praise the lord and thank it it makes for such a much more exciting turn 14 uh you know final corner of the uh, of the of the lap and just it's it is one of those, you know, full tilt boogie, tire stretching corners now. That is, it is exciting. Now, a lot of the talk was, well, hey, they're not going. You're not going to be able to pass on the front straight uh, because you can't follow that closely going through that corner and so on and so forth. Well, that really turned out not certainly to be the case. Cars look great going through there. 
you know, I, I thought it was great that they got rid of that corner. It was great. Or the chicane. And, you know, we're now using the the rounded um, corner at the end of the, you know, you call it a back straightaway. Straight that runs down behind the pits used to have this, you know, angular, yes. you know, kind of shortcut. Um, we now use the longer motorcycle, of uh, course, and all of it flows much better and it makes for better racing. If I had to nitpick, and this is really nitpicking, they didn't seem to move the DRS. They seemed, you know, the cars are coming onto the front straightaway at a much faster pace. Right. You don't need as much DRS to get down to the, to the you know, turn one. And so cars were passing, and they were well clear of the person they were overtaking mm-hmm. by the time they hit the braking zone so much so that they could move back in front and take the normal line. Yeah. They need to rethink that. Yes, they do. And, and, and that's kind of a constant. That's always a, a moving uh, a target. And one of the things that they do that I don't quite understand, uh, that I, I think other sports would go, yeah, well, we're going to make a change. Why don't they look at times, look at trap speeds, look at everything in practice and qualifying, and then say, yeah, we're, we're changing the uh, activation zone for the race. And, I, and I'm sure all the teams would come up with some reason why, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that, we can't do that. Sure you can. Sure you can. You absolutely can. There's no reason why you can't do that. Yeah, you absolutely just, can do you know, that. We've moved it 30 yards closer to turn one. Yeah. You just don't hit the button until you get there. Yeah. Same as you do now. Well, we can't do that. We, we've set up everything with that 30 yards in mind. Well, tough. Change it. So, it, you know, when, okay, so Imola got postponed, canceled, or whatever this year, and they were, uh, there was all this stuff that, well, you know, in order to host, host Imola, they would have to race four weekends in a row, and they just can't do that. And I'm thinking, yeah, look, it's tough. We know this. Yeah, they're away from their families. They're all that kind of stuff. But it's what happens when you work for a professional sports team. You travel all the time. You're away from your families all the time. That's how it works. And, yeah, sometimes you have to work a lot, including four weekends in a row. But they just can't do that. Yeah. I don't know. And, and you know, honestly, I think that's really a poor take. I don't know who said it. I don't really care who said it. You know, the, the, the race was canceled through no fault of Formula Ones, through no fault of the residents of Emilia-Romagna and Imola areas, and through no fault of the FIA. Okay. It was a natural uh, disaster. It was an occurrence. It was flooding. It was impossible to hold the event. Guess what? It's a really nice gesture if you go back there. Yeah, and, and try and get some money and, and yeah, back into the region. Yeah, you the economy and you reward them for their tenacity and for their willingness to you know re- restructure everything that was damaged and get their lives back in order. And then you come to town and you bring all the money that follows the Formula One circuit into that area. And guess what? Everybody loves you for it. Yeah, if we can, fly, if we can go from Azerbaijan to Miami the next week, we can go from, you know, we, we can go from Hungary or, or, or from Spa to Imola. Yeah, pretty we can, easily. We can do that, yeah. That's doable. Very doable. But anyway, let's not talk about that. Let's get to qualifying, shall we, for the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, and Wire, it was a uh, interesting qualifying, to say the least. Um, 
Okay, Charles Leclerc qualified last. Or, or, or I'm sorry, Logan Sargent qualified last. Charles Leclerc qualified next to last. Well, yeah, there's well, nothing they're, they're interesting or yeah. different about that. Well, I mean, oh, oh, wait. Didn't, didn't he sit on the pole last year? Yeah, yeah I could have sworn he was on the pole in Spain last year. Yeah. Penultimate position uh, for qualifying for Charles Leclerc. Um, and, you know, it was because he ran off the track and had a bad lap or crashed or what was it again? The engine blew up. The transmission failed. What was the what was the issue? We don't know. Yeah. The car was just slow. Well, you know, it, something was wrong. Something with the car. Had, the, I watched free practice. The car was fast in practice. I mean, it was a top five, top six car. No question. And Charles certainly knows how to get around the circuit. That's not an, an issue either. But from the times that they were setting in, say, FP2 when they did quality runs and so forth, I mean, he was down. He was in, you know, probably with under a second from the ultimate pole time. Yeah. And that was clearly enough to get him, you know, in the top two rows. So the, the pace was there. The car in quality one was atrocious yeah i mean he you know he goes in he puts on a brand new set of soft tires goes out and he runs bam 16th and the, the track just continued to improve i mean every you know five seven minutes when they would go back out for another run the pace just got faster and that was top to bottom so it was very exciting except for charles leclerc because yeah he, he was going nowhere and they they did one last flyer you know to get him out there another set of new tires and you expect him to pull a rabbit out of a hat they've done they do it so many times during the course of a year no just didn't just there was nothing there no nothing there and they what did they do they basically took the back half of the car shipped it back to uh, marinello yeah got a new Full back analyticals you know i mean they'll they'll dissect it and deconstruct everything on the car to see what went wrong. He complained about an anomaly in the left rear. Something in the left rear of the car wasn't right. And if you think of turn one, turn three, you know, the last two turns on the corner leading on the yep. front straight are all super fast right-hand corners. The left rear is loaded up. And if the car's not right, you're going to lose time. Yep. You're going to be forced to lift, and you're going to give that time back. Maybe you don't crash, but also you don't go fast either. Yeah, no other huge surprises there in Q1, but we had more in Q2, um, and that is, okay, so Charles Leclerc is, is out of the way now, right? So normally he is somebody who's going to qualify in Q, who's going to make it through to Q3. He's not there, so that's going to make it easier for everybody else, but that was not the case because Sergio Perez and George Russell both got knocked out in Q2. Inexplicable. I mean, what is going on? Well, I mean, Checo had a little uh, tank slapper in turn four, I think it was, the downhill left-hander, yeah. and he went off. And then he came back, and, you know, he recovered from that, and he set a fairly decent time. But in the end, he was out by, what, three-tenths, which, you know, for a Red Bull car at a track, 
both the teams and the drivers know intimately, that's almost unheard of. Yeah. Well, he was out. George Russell was out as well. We go to Q3, and, um, you know, who's who, who's it? Is anybody going to be able to challenge Max is the question. He was fastest in Q2, uh, and guess what? He was fastest again in Q3, and he crossed the line, and everybody else is coming up and not getting anywhere close to him, really. Next closest time, uh, Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, almost half a second behind him. Yeah, he did the Red Bull thing that Red Bull drivers do in Red Bull cars. That tracks the you know in years where Red Bull is super fast, and that is, you know, you kind of jaunt around, and you every time you set a lap, you set a lap, and it's a tenth or two faster, and the crowd, you know, the orange fans go wild, and then as Sebastian Vettel did so many times, you just demoralize the rest yeah. of the field, and you put it on pole by half a second. Yeah, well, that's exactly what Max Verstappen did over the Ferrari by Carlos Sainz. Here's the other thing that was interesting, though. It wasn't followed up by the Aston Martins the and, you know, the Mercedes. It was followed up by a McLaren, Lando Norris, qualifying in third. You had a lot of new parts on a lot of cars there this weekend. Um, Mercedes, certainly, Ferrari, those beautiful swooping side pods that Ferrari had are gone now, and now they look like the Red Bull, basically, which is a shame because they were beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, okay, you qualified second, I guess, so that's that's positive. Uh, but McLaren, you know, new bits on the car there for them. Qualify in third position, Lando Norris, uh, and he out-qualified. The Aston Martin, no. The Mercedes, no. He outqualified the Alpine of Pierre Gasly. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a distinct move by Alpine. Um, yeah, toward the front of the toward the front of the grid. Both Alpines, you know, make it through to Q, Q3 uh, seemingly on a regular basis now. Um, but McLaren was the talk of the day. I mean, you know, Max Max's pace is what Max's pace is. I don't think anybody was really super surprised that he stuck it on pole. Half a second may have been an eye-opener. But both McLarens, after being atrocious the first third of the season, both went to Q3. Yeah. And Lando, top three. Yeah. Um, for the Alpine, for Pierre Gasly, he got a two, three grid place penalties, which bumped him all the way back to 10th position, which moved... Lewis Hamilton uh, up. So Lewis Hamilton qualified in fifth, actually started in fourth. Lance Stroll, yes, Lance Stroll and the Aston Martin out-qualified teammate Fernando Alonso for the first time this year. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. And this is this is a track that Fernando has had very good success it's with. Home, I mean, it's his home race, yeah. I mean, you remember that run to the front that he did in the, the first lap in the Ferrari, mm -hmm. the crowd just going absolutely bonkers. Um, you know, he, he's raced here how many times? I mean, the guy's come here 20 years. At least, yeah. So, yeah, that that's quite a surprise. Um, interestingly enough, that's who I picked to win the race. At Lance Stroll? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, Fernando Alonso. But, you know, the talk early on was that the Aston does not necessarily excel in the conditions or the you know the the track as it's laid out, uh, and if you remember Monaco in the overlay form qualifying, 
the Aston Martin gets off the corners impressively well. Yeah, it does. And that's a low-speed corner, superb acceleration. Um, you don't need that here because every corner is, I think, what's the slowest corner is like 50 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah, a bunch so, of, and, and then a lot of 100-mile-an-hour corners, a lot yeah. of you know, medium-speed, 90 to 120-mile-an-hour corners. That's not necessarily, apparently, the forte of the Aston at yeah. this point. Uh, out the other Alpine up there, uh, Esteban Ocon, Nico Hulkenberg, and the Haas uh, qualifying up there in eighth, starting in seventh. Uh, Fernando Alonso qualified ninth. Oscar Piastri and the McLaren uh, in tenth. So you you had a really mixed up qualifying. However, it was mixed up except for the you know number one position basically, uh, which led to. Okay, what are we going to see on race day? Are we going to see dominance again by Max Verstappen? Uh, are we going to see some of these cars come to the fore? Uh, what are we, are we going to see somebody move back? What are we going to see in the action on race day? And we were treated to a lot of great action up and down the field um, in the, in the mid-pack, basically throughout the entire race. And it, we didn't have, you know, the same old one-stop race. We had a lot of everybody on, almost everybody on two-stop strategy, I think. There was early nice talk that three stops might have been the way to go. Yeah. So there's nice to see some more pit stops. Uh, nice to see that action, you know, some different strategies uh, playing out, some different strategies going south again. And, um, well, you know, wh why why not just jump right into it with, with – um, uh, uh, Charles Leclerc, where he starts from pit lane. They redo the whole car. Okay, he starts from pit lane. Starts on the hard tires, right? So he's going to run long? Yeah. And how long did he run? 17 laps. That's not long enough. Yeah, that's... That's not long. That's not running long. That's running medium? It's not even short. medium. The window for the soft tire, which everybody you know up front started on, but Max, the window for pits was like thirteen to seventeen laps for the soft tire, and he comes in on the after hard. seventeen laps on the hard tire, and it totally negated any chance for you know the the extension of the first stint to bring in a lot of flexibility in the second half of the race. That's why you do that. You, you give up a little bit on the first, you know, stint. You know, you, you take the spots where you can get them. Ferrari being one of the top, you know, three, four cars in the grid should be able to make up some spots. Maybe you don't get into the top ten. But as those lesser teams on those softer tires start to come in, your advantage increases, and now you extend into, you know, the, uh, into the you know, mid-pack mid and maybe into the top ten. And then you have flexibility. You're going to have one stop. You're going to have two stops. But guess what? You've taken that first third of the race. Let's say it's you know, let's say it's 25 laps. It, that's more than a third. But let's just say you've gotten 25 laps out of that first set of tires. Well, now you only have to go 41 laps, and you've got choices. Do and I you, use a soft? Do I use a medium? You know, how do I do it? Because you've already gotten the worst tire out of the way. You've gotten the worst tire out of the way. You've burned down the fuel load, and you've improved your track position uh, because, well, a lot of people in front of you have pitted. You haven't necessarily passed them on track, and you haven't, you know, gone out there and battled wheel-to-wheel -to -wheel to, with them, but you are in front of them because you're going long, 
and you haven't stopped yet, and they have. And that's how a you know a long run like that works. But Ferrari, I guess, doesn't get that or, or I guess, whatever. I, I don't know. I guess Ferrari, Ferrari has upset an axiom. When you going long is actually short. I guess so. It is. Well, we learn something new every weekend. We did see a lot of action throughout the field. You know, we had George Russell that you know he's in a he's in a Mercedes. He's going to move up through the field. You had Sergio Perez. Uh, he's going to move up through the field as well. Uh, and well, we saw those guys move up through the field as the race was going on. Um, this is this is you know to me, I'm looking at this as going okay. We had something similar to this um, with with Max Verstappen at uh, Miami, wasn't it? Where he Goes long, doesn't bank the lap, bad qualifying, runs long, uh, ends up winning the race. Is that what we're going to see here with Sergio Perez? Are we going to see him, you know, take the car by the scruff of the neck and, you know, run up there, pass a bunch of people? And mm, not really, no. Um, you know, we saw him pass a bunch of cars, but challenging for the race win on a different strategy, never really an option for Sergio Perez. Why do you think that is? They're in the same car. Right. The times that, uh, outside of qualifying, the, the practice times, he was in the top four. Right. Easy. And sometimes the top two. The car had pace in it. Yeah. And granted, you know, when you're, when you're back in the pack and you're losing time to your teammate who's leading the race in clean air, yeah, it, you know, it gets away from you pretty quickly. But he didn't charge up through the field having the best car, you know, being the second quickest car on track only to his teammate. It just never panned out that way. No, it didn't. And look, Max Verstappen has that killer instinct. I don't know if Sergio Perez does. I just don't know if he does. Is it time for Danny Rick? Okay, so let me ask Sarah Grace. Well, Sarah well, Grace, uh, yeah, is it time for Danny Rick? Yes. I already know the answer. To yes, that. yeah, I, I, you know, yes, yes. My wife, it's time for Danny Rick. Yes, and anybody else, it's time for Danny Rick. Is it time for Danny Rick? Maybe he is a better driver, but here is what you lose with that. Right now, you have a clear number one at Red Bull and Max Verstappen, and you have a, another guy. You have a number two driver, Sergio Perez, who is doing an admirable job. And he's scoring points. And Red Bull is going to win the championship. We've seen what happens when you have two guys competing for the number one spot on any team. Mercedes, Red Bull especially. You think Danny would compete for the top spot? I don't know. I think he's probably maybe a better driver than Checo. But... I don't think it makes. I don't know if it. Why, why upset the apple cart? Why, why mess I, I with get it? You. I, if I, you're Red Bull, you know why? Why mess with? Look, we're we're winning the world championship, running away with it. We've got the best car out there. Why are we going to mess with it? Here's Look, the other side of that. Okay. Max is now two full race wins. Yes. In front of Checo. Yes. And that's if Checo wins races, gets the fastest lap, and Max falls out of both races. He's still leading. Yeah. 
Checo after that. Six, so we're six races into the season. The the point being that there's going to come a time, and it looks like it's going to be sooner than later, where Checo's just going to have to fall in. You know, take take it for the team, bring home second place, win if you can, but secure the championship as early as possible, and then let you know you two go racing. Yeah, it's you know it's a strategy that's played out time and again. Mercedes did it. You know, McLaren's done it in the past. Ferrari did it famously under Michael Schumacher. I mean, that's, you know, in a 16-race uh, season, Ferrari was, with Schumacher, was wrapping it up in 10 or 11 races. Yeah. And then, you know what? Then they can go race after that. Well, I, I don't think it's going coming sooner rather than later. I think it's here now, quite frankly. Uh, it serves Red Bull not at all to let Sergio race Max at this point. Um I, I, you know, he has this terrible Monaco. He has a bad performance in Spain the next week. You got to bounce back. That's the thing. You you look at you look at teams uh, in other sports and, and how they're successful. And you look at I mean Tiger Woods is a great example of this. His bounce back when he was in his prime, when he would have a bogey, invariably he would have a birdie on the next hole. He would be under par on the next hole. His bounce back, that competitive spirit, that killer instinct that Tiger Woods is probably one of the most fierce, you know, intense competitors ever to play any sport. I don't necessarily see that with, with Checo. I don't see that, you know, he this was his chance to bounce back right here in Spain. And he didn't. He didn't. Um, you know, up front, you've got Max Verstappen gets away. He's not challenged from the lead. Who's going to challenge him? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody can catch the Red Bull. Checo could have passed everybody and finished second. He he had the car to do it in. He absolutely had the car to do it in today, and he didn't. And, you know, that's it, it is what it is, but maybe the team just saying, you know what, Checo, eh, be happy with fourth position. Be happy with fifth. Be happy with whatever you get out there. But... You know, he, he does not have it in him to, to run everybody down and, and at least finish second and certainly not run down his teammate. He just doesn't have it in him. So so is the criticism valid um, for Checo or is it, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, Red Bull has absolutely 100% designed a car to make Max Verstappen the undeniable champion of Formula One and Checo's going to have to learn how to drive it. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. But it's it's also, hey, we designed this car for Max and and everything. I mean, look, that's the way it worked in Ferrari for years and everything, and it's where it's worked for lots of different manufacturers. We're going to design the car for this driver, and you know, get used to it. You can change the settings how you want, but better get used to it and get used to it quick. And he hasn't. And that's that. I, look. Now, I wasn't here in the heady days of, you know, the motorsports hour when Michael Schumacher was dominating Formula One. I came in towards the, you know, end of the 2010s or the 2000s, rather. Did you guys call out Barrichello for not taking the Ferrari? and Or did Barrichello finish second to Schumacher enough times that, well, he finished second to Schumacher enough times. Uh, the other thing, too, is that 
he was contractually a number two. He was contractually a number two driver. Um, so I think that that that's one thing. Um, in addition to that, uh, we didn't see Rubens Barrichello, you know, saying, "Oh no, you know, there, I, I, you know, there's no number one driver on this thing." You know, I'm in the, to win the championship kind of stuff. That that never came out of Rubens Barrichello's mouth. It has out of Sergio Perez's mouth. Um, and when we've when he's been, you know, when he's faced with adversity like he was today, and not a ton of it. Look, he's got to go past 10 cars in a car that's clearly superior than every other on the track. He didn't. And when Rubens would start further back, he would a lot of the times, and sometimes he wouldn't, I guess. But, you know, Ferrari went on, won all the championships and everything, and Rubens never wanted to be, you know, thought of as, you know, Michael's equal. That wasn't the deal. Sergio kind of does. Um, wants to be thought of as Max's equal out there, and he's just not. And look, that's fine. Being the number two driver and the best car on the field is great. And if you want to prove to everybody, you know, how good of a driver you are, shut your mouth, go out there, wrestle the car up to the front, find that number one guy, pass him and beat him. And the first order of business for that would be don't start 11th. Yeah, don't start 11th. But when you do start 11th, run everybody down and pass them because, look, Max Verstappen's out in front. Nobody challenges him all day. He never puts a wheel wrong. He puts a couple wheels wrong, actually. He exceeds the white lines, and, you know, they come on the radio. Max, you know, you're going over the white lines. They actually gave him a warning. It said next time you exceed trap track limits, we're going to give you a time penalty, all that kind of stuff. Well, he could have taken like 10 of them. I mean, he was way out in front. Um Here's what was interesting. Here's who did take the car up through the field, and that's George Russell, somebody who we love because you you love George Russell. You love everything about him. He's right? my favorite weatherman. <laughs> he, he would be an excellent weatherman. Just kind of. He's my favorite weatherman. Yeah, just kind of just nondescript. What I yeah. Well, did you catch the radio transmission? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Wait. What was this? So he calls. In, he calls in, and he says. You know, he starts like yelling into his microphone. You know, just rain and turn five, rain and turn five, and then he, you know, the team doesn't respond. You know, copy George, and you know they're they're looking. There's no rain on the forecast or anything like that, so they they never respond. At least that was known to the fans. Um, and then like six laps later, he says, "Is anybody else complaining of rain? Because I actually think it's just sweat off my brow <laughs> inside my helmet." And so the, the wall responds, yeah, George, you're the only one complaining of rain. It must be the sweat. <laughs> I missed that. Okay. I, I, I missed that. But Oh, it was epic. And, you know, we've been calling him, you know, in our household, the weatherman since Monaco, where, you know, he's predicting the rain and he wants to, you know, pass Lewis and not get more than five seconds out and all this stuff. and. Everything about the weather, you know, George was conversing with the team. So, Speaking of the weather, it was kind of interesting today. It looked like it was, you know, going to start raining cats and dogs any second, and it never did. But nobody really talked about it. Yeah, no, it just, I mean, it just looked like you know, it was. You know, there's like a 30% chance, and, you know, you're that close to the Mediterranean, and you're going to potentially have, uh, you know, rain uh, at irregular times. But, you know, beautiful weather, I mean, overcast. I would have loved to have been there. It looked like a, you know, looked like a great event. 
Yeah. Um, so let's run down the finishing order, shall we? Max Verstappen wins for Red Bull. Never really challenged. Had more in the tank if, to give if he needed to. And, and, you know, just had plenty, 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 plenty. Lewis had, Hamilton. He had three penalties in hand. Yeah. And still would have won. Lewis Hamilton finished second uh, for Mercedes. His teammate George Russell right behind him in third. Double podium finish for Mercedes. Uh, new revisions on the car. They are working. Uh, they have made them maybe the class of the rest of the field. Uh, not catching up to Max, but they certainly uh, raced a heck of a lot better than the Ferrari uh, and the Astons today. Um Sergio Perez finished in fourth. Carlos Sainz for Ferrari uh, finished in fifth position. Again, promising qualifying for Ferrari. Race pace not there. Uh, finishing back in fifth. Aston Martin. Lance Stroll beats teammate Fernando Alonso for sixth. Uh, and Alonso finishes in, in seventh position. Um, then you go back to the Alpine. Esteban Ocon in eighth. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu in uh, ninth position for Alpha and Pierre Gasly in tenth for Alpine. Fernando continues to win people to his side. If you weren't a Fernando fan, yeah. you just listen to the radio transmissions this year, why wouldn't you be a fan of the guy? Everybody loves Fernando now. Now? And, yeah, now. And this is a thing that I was t trying to explain to my wife, too, because she's you know new into Formula One since we she was not a, a fan of Formula One before we got together. Um, and I'm trying to tell her about the time that, you know, Alonzo and Lewis Hamilton were on the same team. She said, oh, that must have been really cool. No, it was terrible. It was awful. I mean, he is, he was just, you know, he was not a good teammate. Alonzo was not a good teammate doing, you know, backstabbing stuff to Lewis and all that kind of stuff. And this new, mellower, whatever, Fernando Alonzo, and it's something that comes with age because Vettel. Vettel was kind of the same way, and she was a huge Vettel fan. Vettel's now retired, but I'm trying to tell her, yeah, you know, Vettel, you know, when he, you know, wrecked his teammate and all that kind of stuff multiple times and everything like that. Vettel did that, you know, yeah. And, and Alonso did that too, but he doesn't anymore. He, now he's this kind of elder statesman. He's mellowed, and everybody loves Fernando Alonso now. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the, the kudos are deserved because – yeah. I mean, he, he, he's watching at the Miami Grand Prix. He's watching the Diamond Vision off the track and congratulates, you know, Lance on a pass down the front straightaway. This uh, this event, he, he ran to – actually, Lance was ahead of him most of the race. And then Fernando made a late pit stop and ran Lance down. He called to the pits and said, tell Lance not to worry. I'm not going to overtake. I'm just trying to create a gap back to you know the the people behind me because the team needs the points we need these points as a team could he have run them down probably now do you really think fernando alonso could have put the moves on lance stroll wire i would bet your house on it <laughs> i would bet my house my mother's house your house everybody's house car everything he could have he wasn't spectacular during the race he wasn't he he, he was you know, he he has this amazing qualifying in Monaco, and then basically the whole strategy in Monaco is, well, just finish in second. Um, and then the whole strategy here is just kind of like, yeah, just go out there, run around, score some points. So I, I don't know what, what, what's going on over there, but this is somebody who we know has that killer instinct, uh, but they're not using it right now, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he knows when the car isn't underneath him, you yeah. know, to be able to yeah. – 
charge through the field and rather than do something silly and, you know, cost the team points, um, you know, he decided to be magnanimous and Lance had raced better than him up to that point. Could he have, you know, he, he probably had three tire advantage or three lap advantage on his tires over Lance. He could have taken him had he pushed the envelope, but he didn't. No, he didn't. So kinder, um, gentler Fernando. It is a it is a kinder, kinder, gentler Fernando. My wife and daughter call him Fern. Fern. Come on, Fern. Well, he, he loves he loves the plants. He's quite the horticulturist now. I saw that. Yeah. So um, let's go to IndyCar, shall we? Shall we go to Detroit, to Belle Isle, right? Uh, no, I think they scrapped Belle Isle. They did. Uh, we were on the streets of Detroit. Uh, and look, <laughs> just doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. Sound nothing good. about that that sounds. The good. streets of Detroit. Oh, Indy uh, F one used to race, uh, have a street race in downtown Detroit years ago. Um, I'm sure it was every bit as awful as it sounds. Here is one thing that did not happen in this street race. And look, there is water nearby. What, what what's the river that separates Windsor from Detroit? Well, I don't know. It's not St. Lawrence. Not that far west, is it? I don't know. I suppose it could be. Whatever it is. Nobody mentioned Monaco when they were comparing Detroit. To, uh, that uh, is fantastic. Um, and guess Finally what? a dose of reality. Nobody would mistake Detroit from Monaco. And I think that's one of the tough things about this. We just went from the end-all, be-all street race last week in Monaco to Detroit, where... It is not the end-all, be-all street race. It's That is Detroit River. It's the Detroit River. Yeah. Um, okay. The race itself, the track itself, and, you know, the, the Detroit street circuit and everything. Um, yeah. Not great. Not a great track. Not a pretty track. It's, it's you know under two miles, one point seven miles. They raced a hundred laps. That's a that's a, that's a lot of. It's a short track for a race, one point seven miles. So, you know, did they go over a bridge? Yeah, they did go over a bridge over. I don't know what it was. It was just, it, but everything just looks worn down. It, you know, you know, we we will get. Baku, and it's like they must repave the circuit every single year. I mean, everything looks perfect. It's super smooth, all of that. Not Detroit, and, and we're coming off. This is this is one of the things too. Um, okay, not only are we coming off the end all be all street race, we're coming off the end all. You know, the one of the biggest motorsports events in the world, the Indy Five Hundred, and it was great this year. And we follow it up with. A street race and in Detroit. That was just not a great race. It was just not. It was just not good uh, because the track was not good and everybody couldn't figure it out. I mean, it was just so bumpy, so many different surfaces, concrete, tarmac, all that kind of stuff. You know, bumps everywhere. Uh, and, and you know, look, you got just the old school concrete barriers out there. It's not the pretty Armco like it all. You know, with all the sponsors and all that kind of stuff and everything's so pretty people yeah more and uh well flavor flave was the grand marshal okay 
So I look, I like Favor Flav. I mean, to oh, their credit, there yeah. was 19 cars on the lead lap. Yeah, at well, the end of the race. that happens when you have a full course caution about every three laps. You had a lot of people not only, you know, crashing, running into things, but crashing while they were under caution. It was kind of ridiculous the amount of crashes that we had. Uh, and, you know, most of it's just, you know, bumping into the wall, bumping into a barrier here and there. You know, it, we don't need to go back. When they said they were going to Nashville, I'm like, oh, man, IndyCar in Nashville. I love Nashville. It's a cool town, all that kind of stuff. Go see an IndyCar race there. That would be fun. The track's not good. Not good. Detroit, I don't have a whole lot of desire to go to Detroit. I have zero I'm desire sure to go I'm sure it's a multi-year gig, too, so we'll be subjected to it for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it was just not a... The Indy 500 was so good this year, and then this wasn't. Uh, and it's just, it, it, it's, you you were going to have some carryover from some fans there, right? And, and, oh, yeah, I watched the Indy 500 last weekend. What's on What's on TV today? Ooh, Nothing. IndyCar, IndyCar, let's watch that. Yeah, let's watch that. And then you watch this, and it was just not good. Yeah, I don't know what this uh, burning need to to go to places where the racing can't be. It just can't be good. I yeah. mean, the, you know, the, think of all the challenges of a road course in a you know rust belt snow belt city. Just you know, with let's say you know GT four cars in IMSA, Michelin Michelin Pilot Series. They wouldn't race well there, I don't imagine, because, you know, it's just, I grew up in one of those cities. Yeah. The roads are never good. You can't make them good just for one race a year, because by the time you come next year, they're going to be horrible again. The weather, the traffic, whatever, you know, the environment just does not allow you to do, you know, to put on a good show with something like that. And this burning need to have to go to these places there's two manufacturers in there's, – there's Honda. There's Honda and, and Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Yeah. Honda has no ties to Detroit. No. And we're going to go to Marysville, Ohio or something, you know, for Honda. Yeah, we don't, we don't go to Mid-Ohio anymore, thankfully. Um, look, it, it, I'm not saying don't go to Detroit. Okay, I, I'd be happier if we didn't go to Detroit. But what I am saying is – don't go to Detroit the week after the Indy 500. Go to Road America. Go to Watkins Glen. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere spectacular. Go somewhere where you can put on a great race. This ain't it. Uh, that's not what we saw today. Alex Palau wins uh, the Detroit uh, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. Uh, Will Power finished in second. Uh, Felix Rosenquist in third. Scott Dixon fourth. Alexander Rossi in fifth position. Caution-filled race, lots of, you know, lots and lots of cautions. Um, yeah, that was that. Big news out of uh, IndyCar, though, Wire. Person whose car got uh, hit by the uh, errant tire uh, oh, at yeah. the Indy 500. Yes. They're getting a new car. Chevrolet saw that, you know, they had some whatever, Chevy Cruze or something, whatever yeah. it is. They're giving them a new car. I saw that. Very nice gesture. Yeah, it is a nice gesture. So, anyway. 
that was the best news of uh, of IndyCar, I guess, uh, coming out of uh, of this week. Um, yeah. We, Look, IndyCar has done some really cool stuff, and the racing is great. The race at Barber was great. We've had lots of great races in IndyCar this year. They, look, they race pretty well on some street circuits, like at um, Long Beach was halfway decent. So St. So Petersburg is pretty good. Detroit is not. Nashville is not. The environments uh, are totally different. Yeah. And we just we don't need to go there, and we especially don't need to go there when we're trying to grow the sport. Uh, the race after the Indy 500, which had you know great ratings, Monaco and everything, great ratings for Monaco this year on ABC. Almost 2 million people watched that. Lots of eyeballs on IndyCar. 3-something million people on that. Uh, 4 million people or something like that watched uh, the Indy 500. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff is fantastic. But to follow, yeah, just to follow it up with that was, you know, a little frustrating. You know, next race, June 18th. Guess where they're racing? Road America. Nice. I mean, could we have moved that up and gone to Road America this week? I mean, that would have been really nice. If, if we want to race the week after the Indy 500, go to Road America. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, I just looked up a map of the Detroit circuit. If you yeah. want to talk about an uninspired circuit, I mean, they're virtually all 90-degree corners. With one forty-five, two forty-five degree corners, in lieu of a ninety-degree corner, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe you had a long straightaway that allowed some overtaking, but to, just to look at that and say, you know, this is this is next up, next up, Indy five hundred, great success, lots of drama, you know, fantastic event. Now let's go to Detroit. Yeah. It's not there. Uh, I misspoke earlier. We do still race it at, at Mid-Ohio for IndyCar. We don't for IMSA. So IMSA does not race it at Mid-Ohio anymore. Um, but uh, IndyCar does. So let's move on from that. And uh, how's your French wire? Uh, oui, oui. Oh, all right. So I, I heard a little Spanish out of you earlier. See. Si. Yeah. Now uh, now French. Parle right. français. Okay. And so here is my plan. Figuring out what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to do. Going to, uh, I think I can go get a Total Wine or something like that. Maybe ABC or something. Has yeah. It. Cronenberg sixteen sixty four, which is a very popular French beer. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna get a lot going of it. Going for the beer. Yeah. I will be Not decidedly in the wine and cheese yeah. crowd. Should I? Should Just I do? A should, should I do a, like a cognac or something like that? Oh, you could do that. Absolutely. I don't know anything about it though. I mean, Just I know stuff ask. about whiskey. Just go ask. Yeah. I won't steer you wrong. Okay. I'll go, to, I, I'll, go, I'll go to my little spot. I got a little spot that I go to. You got a spot. I got, I got a cool little, cool little mom and pop liquor store. It's got really good whiskeys and stuff like that, unique stuff. So uh, I'll go I'll there tell you and what. ask him. If you go, yeah. you get a good recommendation for a cognac. Yeah. Buy two. Okay. And then I will partake right. of one with you. All right. You know, get I'm some, gonna have some Bordeaux. Get some, get some baguettes, all that kind of stuff. You know, maybe ham sandwich thrown in there. Nice. Um, and, and I'm looking. I'm like, I need to make some French food. Escargo? No, no, not doing that. Like, no. what, what am I doing? Of course, the best food of anything ever is the best food, hands down. French toast? No. Good omelet. Gonna make an omelet probably yeah. Sunday morning. Charcuterie. 
I'm having a charcuterie Saturday. So on, on Saturday, charcuterie, charcuterie everywhere. It, that's going to be my French food. I'm going to have my cognac. I, I'm going to have myself a grand old time because Father's Day for me is coming early because the 24 hours of Le Mans is next week. Normally, it's Father's Day weekend, and I ask for the same thing every year for Father's Day. Leave me alone. I'm watching the 24 hours of Le Mans. Not now, leave me alone. Join me. Well, yeah, join me, but you know, I, I'm not doing anything else but that this yeah, weekend. Don't plan That's anything. what I'm doing. I'm don't not any plans. You know, kid's birthday. Nope. I'm all the lawn on Friday. Yep. I'm not doing I'm, that is that is what I'm doing this weekend. 100%. I'm with you. So, uh 24 hours of Le Mans this um weekend coming up. Wire, uh it should be a it should be a fun one. You know, obviously this is kind of the first year in earnest that we have all these new manufacturers, all these new teams running in hypercar and GTP and all that kind of stuff. The the field at the top of the field looks absolutely fantastic i mean the amount of manufacturers the amount of teams the amount of competition in there and yes toyota has two cars that they're running and you know toyota has the big target on their back but there are so many other teams that are really good that are going to be challenging and you've got some some odd teams in there the van wall vandervel Okay. Oh yeah, that uh, Jacques Villeneuve drives for. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Apparently, um, they said, "Hey, uh, you're out." Tristan Vatier's in for Jacques Villeneuve, and they, I guess they didn't even like tell him. They just kind of sent out a press release. That's pretty wrong. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big you know Jacques guy, but that's kind of messed up. Yeah. yeah. But the Tristan Vadier's in his place there, and the uh, Van Wall Vanderval Vandervel, excuse me. But okay, you've also got the Glickenhaus, which is a, a U.S. car, uh, a U.S. team, and everything with Glickenhaus, which runs in WEC and and everything. And the whole Glickenhaus thing is odd, to say the least. If you have some time, which you know, look, yeah, you'll have some time during the Rolex Twenty Four. Look up the Glickenhaus racing team and look up. Um, about the founder James Glickenhaus and and all that kind of stuff and and everything. It's a uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it's odd. I don't you know he's one of those guys who I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him kind of thing. Um, but it's it's just a weird. He's like a B movie producer type guy, and it's just kind of odd the way the whole thing has worked out. But it, hey, racing is filled with a lot of odd people, and he's one of them. But, I mean, he puts his money into it, and he shows up, and yeah. You know, they even when you know it was just a privateer against the factory teams, he'd still show up. Yeah, you know, they just some people just want to go racing. Not a fan of IMSA. Not a fan of the folks at IMSA though. The Glickenhaus guy. Yeah. Well. Anyway, um, Cadillac, um, Penske, uh, Hertz. Uh, Tom Brady's got himself a team there. Um, Ferrari with a factory effort. Peugeot as well. You have, count them, one, two, three, four um, Porsches racing. Yes, um, the, the uh, 963 now has a, is part of a customer program. Yes. So you've got the, you know, factory effort, Porsche, uh, Porsche Penske factory uh, team there. Uh, and then you've got um, the Hertz team, Jota, customer effort there. 
Uh, and then, uh, well, another, a, a, a three-car effort from Penske Motorsports, uh, too, because they're bringing over the U.S.-based team as well. How long has it been since we had 16 cars in the top class? I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's awesome. I mean, it's this so is, cool. Yeah. Toyota's absolutely going to be challenged. They will. Uh, and, yeah, they have the target on their back. They are the team to beat because they're the defending champs and all that kind of stuff. But I think that there is a really good chance, especially with Porsche bringing as many cars as they are. Ferrari factory, uh, the AF course team, you know, they've got a two-car effort. Um, Peugeot, two cars there. Cadillac. Cadillac with three cars going. You know, that's some that's some cool stuff, seeing the a Cadillac racing at Le Mans like that. Uh, we saw it years and years ago with not much success. I think they will have some success this year. Some really great stuff going on there in, in the top tier of Le Mans. And this, this is a class that, you know, hypercar, GTP, whatever, that exists now where five years ago, we weren't too sure about what was going on in the world of, you know, P1 or whatever we wanted to call it, LMP1 or whatever it was, because there was one car, two cars, however many, you know, maybe there were three. And look, the, the years that you had Porsche battling Audi, battling, you know, whoever it is, weren't that extensive. Um, yeah, and you had some battles there between Porsche and Toyota. Uh, and you had some battles there between Audi and, you know, Porsche a, a little bit, but not a whole lot kind of thing. And now you, then Toyota has, you know, kind of put their stamp on the race, but now they're going to be challenged by a lot of different manufacturers, a lot of very strong teams with a lot of pedigree out there. Um, and it should just be a fantastic race with 16 cars. And I think 10 of them have a good chance of winning. Well, and I don't think we've, you know, just like we haven't seen this many cars, we haven't seen this level of talent in the upper class in, you know, half my lifetime, I don't think. It's just been, if you right. look down the list of, you know, of people that are, you know, the Earl Bamber and Richard Westbrook, Sebastian Bourdais and Ranger van der Zanda, and Scott Dixon in one of the Cadillacs. You have uh, Kevin Estrid, Andre Lauderer, and Lawrence Vanthor in one of the Porsche Penske's. Um, Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi uh, in the Toyota, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley in the other. I mean, just go down the list. Yeah. Felipe Nasser, uh, Alexander Sims, you know. Pippa Durrani's there. Louis Duvall is there. Roman Dumas is there. I mean, Brian Briscoe. I mean, just, there's just no end to the amount of talent that you can point to in just this one class. Now, you have a ton of uh, some other names in there, some other F1 names. Antonio Giovinazzi, Paul DiResta. Um, Esteban Gutierrez. Uh, you know, you have a lot of really top drivers there uh, racing in this race. Olivier Pla, um, you, I think you mentioned... Um, Romain Dumas, you know, just the names just pop out at you of people who've had success in sports cars, success in formula cars, uh, success in different prototypes, and they are all over the field, too. And this is where it used to be different. Yeah, Toyota would always come with, a, you know, a bunch of ringers, and so would Audi, and so would Porsche. And then there would be some other team, you know, running up there in P1, 
and like Rebellion or whoever came to mind. And they might have one driver that you kind of heard of and then a couple of guys that whatever kind of thing most of the time. Maybe not Rebellion, but there was always some teams like that. Every team here is stacked. Every team is stacked. Every team has drivers that have either won the race or have, comp have competed very well in this race, have won in other classes, won in other you know, forms of racing. There is, this is one of those races where you go into it and go, I really have no idea who's going to win. So if you're looking for, to the Motorsports Hour for advice on who's going to you know, win, I honestly have no idea. Yes, Toyota is the defending champs and all that kind of stuff, but they didn't have this level of competition that they were up against last year. And yeah, that experience, you know, means a lot and everything, but you have a lot of really, really, really good teams in there. Well, and you've had a lot. Of, so traditionally, I say traditionally, over the last couple of years, Toyota has been hampered by itself. Yeah. And by, you know, racing in multi-class, you know, events at Le Mans, where, you know, the closing rates are astronomical and, you know, you might have double or triple the GT cars that you have versus the prototypes. And so they have a tendency to get in the way. That's not this. I mean, you've got 16 hypercars and you have, I think, 21 or 22 P2 cars. 24, actually. Really? 24. 24. So, yeah. I mean, this is going to be, um, this is going to be a field that is going to be incredibly talented, um, incredibly fast, but incredibly congested because a lot of these guys are going to be very similar in cornering speeds yep. and they're going to take up a lot of room on the straightaway. Yeah. And that's before we even get to GT. Yeah. Um, and in P2, there's no American teams running in P2, some American drivers out there. I, I love this. Um, Juan Manuel, Juan Manuel Correa, I can never say his name properly properly american driver we remember his name from that awful crash and um f2 that claimed the life of uh, antoine hubert at spa a few years ago he's from south florida is yeah he south florida guy um he will be racing in p2 uh prima racing uh, and you know certainly that's that's exciting to see him uh racing there ricky taylor is going to be racing in p2 with yeah, teaming up tower with motors renee rast yeah you know some big names in in p2 uh, out there, Felipe Albuquerque, uh, Olivier, Oliver Jarvis, Tom Bloomquist. Um, man, this field is stacked. Colin Braun's going to be racing there. All uh, Algarve Pro Racing. Uh, there, a lot of different. Uh, John Magnuson. All right, look at that. Haven't seen him race anything in it's, a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been so. So some some cool stuff there going on in P two. LMGT Am. Gone is LMGT Pro. It is no more. We no longer have the LMGT Pro and say what we want about that. Oh man, I missed the, you know, the Viper. Well, that never competed in LMGT Pro. I missed the, you know, Porsche versus the, you know, Corvette. Well, we're still going to kind of have that, but I miss all these other cars with their factory lineups and everything and that was basically had had has that has gone the way of the dodo kind of thing. I mean, there's, you know, what three, four cars in our last season of, uh, you know, GT Pro, that kind of effort. So everything's GT Am now at Le Mans, which means 
Corvette is not that standard, you know, Corvette effort. LMGT AM. Uh, it's Corvette C8R, but Nikki Katzberg, Ben Keating, um, and Nicholas Verone are driving the car. So it's not, you know, the Jordan Taylor and the Antonio Garcias and stuff like that racing there. And that's a shame. That's, that's tough. I don't like that. But we will have some different competition up there. Porsches, um, Ferraris, Aston Martin, Corvette, uh, and um, a lot of different stuff. I think next year we'll start to see some more cars start to flow into that as well as uh, you get to a more standard GT4 spec. And you know, I think we're going to see some Mercedes and some Audis and all that kind of stuff racing there in GT AM categories. Yeah, certainly no lack of you know talent. We obviously we've heard of you know people that are in there. The um, Ryan Hardwick, Nikki Katzberg, as you mentioned. Uh, but you know, a lot of European guys we haven't been, and that doesn't mean they're slow. It just means that you know that we don't see them much on our side of the pond. Yeah. Um, it's still going to be an incredibly uh, competitive GT field just because I think GT is the class that's been around the longest and in its present form, super tight spec yep. and super competitive. Um, you know, none of these brands that are running are new to the format, which means the BOP is likely to be spot on. Yeah. It should, it should be an interesting race in GT. Uh, and then we get to one last entry, Garage 56. These called Garage, well, they call it Garage 56 because you used to race with 55 cars at Le Mans. I think we're going to go with 62 or something like that this year. Whatever it is. I guess we could add it up if we wanted to. 64. 64? Yeah, we have 24 LMP2s, 24 GT cars. We have 16 prototypes. That's 64. And then they're Garage 65, I guess. Yeah, or Garage 56, whatever it is. Uh, and that's this is something that I think is really cool. NASCAR uh, and Hendrick Motorsports are sending a NASCAR to Le Mans. And they're doing it in a really cool way, too. Uh, look, they've done a ton of testing on this thing. It's, you know, they've changed the brakes a little bit. They've changed the, uh, you know, fuel cell a little bit. Um, you know, change made some changes here and there to the car to adjust to a model. Obviously, it's got lights on it now and all that. Arrow kind of is stuff. quite different too. Yeah, arrow is very different, but it's still at its heart. It's a NASCAR. Jensen Button, Jimmy Johnson, and Mike Rockenfeller. I, I, what a cool lineup for this! You, you've got a Formula One World Champion, a five, six, seven-time uh, NASCAR champion, and Jimmy Johnson, seven-time, seven-time NASCAR champion, and Jimmy Johnson, Mike Rockenfeller, won in twenty ten, I think, at Le Mans. I, you know, you've yeah, got he was an Audi factory driver. He was yeah. an Audi DTM driver, still is, I think. And yeah, so you've got a great lineup there uh, with with three different guys: one NASCAR guy, one Formula One guy, one sports car guy, showing up to Le Mans in this car. I think it's going to bring a lot of. And a well-known uh, coach. Yeah, and a well-known coach in Jordan Taylor. Uh, it's going to put a lot of eyes on NASCAR, and I think it's a great move by NASCAR doing this, trying to branch out and get uh, some eyes on NASCAR from around the world. Uh, I think it's a really cool thing that NASCAR has done by doing that, and I'm looking forward to watching the car race. I think it should be exciting. I yeah. think everybody will be love hearing that car race, too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure yeah, it's probably already, you know, given that they did testing this weekend. 
it's probably already getting its share of notoriety and so forth. So it'll be a crowd favorite just yeah. because it's unique. It's not the you know Delta Wing or it's not the Nissan front-wheel drive prototype. I mean, those things were disasters yeah. in their own right. This will not be a disaster, I don't believe. Um, and the interesting thing about the, the competitiveness of the field – we're sitting on eight reserve cars. Yeah. I mean, there are eight teams that are over there just hoping for a shot. Yep. And I don't know that I've ever seen that before. No, I, I don't think I have either. Um, that many cars trying to, you know, get in, uh, you know, and, and look, it happens. Some, something happens in testing, whatever it is, invariably happens every single year. Hey, we're not going to be able to race after all. One of these teams comes. Who, I, you know, what it's going to be, I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, it will be uh, an exciting race. Um, changes this year to the pit, or not pit procedure, but the safety car procedure, I guess, of how everything works. And, the, and Le Mans is, is, a, is a race that, um, obviously, it, look, an average stint is like, what, eight laps or something like that, seven, eight laps, maybe nine laps kind of thing. So you can stay out of the pits, you know, you're doing great. Track position is hard to make up because it's this really long runs. It's almost a nine-mile circuit. And what happens with the safety cars is you have three safety cars because it's such a big track. So the safety cars come out and group up in three different positions, which means you could be right behind somebody. You could be, you know, a second or two or three seconds behind somebody running them down safety car comes out safety car procedure you could get broken up by the safety car meaning you're chasing the guy in front of you you're in you know third position they're in second position in class safety car comes out picks you up as the leader for that safety car guy in front guy or gal in front they run on ahead and then there you are, and when the you know when you go back green, all of a sudden you are a minute behind them on track, minute and a half, two minutes behind them on track, and that just is what happens at Le Mans. There's no wave arounds or anything like that. Uh, well, at least there weren't, but there are going to be some of that this year. We're changing it. I don't want to go completely in depth because it is incredibly complicated. I think there's going to be a lot of issues the first time there's a safety car. I think it's going to take 45 minutes to get it right. I think by the end of the race, they're finally going to have it figured out. And I think it will make for a better, more competitive, uh, closer finishing race at Le Mans uh, for a long time to come. I think this is long overdue that they're redoing this, uh, the safety car procedure we're basically, they're still going to pick everybody up, slow everybody down. They're going to keep people out of the pits. Then they're going to allow them to group up yeah, and start in one group. I think it's great that we're doing well, that. Well, I, I think it's necessary because, you know, there's been so many instances where teams have been penalized yeah. for, you know, let's say you just made a pit stop and you're well behind, but you're the fastest car on the track. Yep. And because of, you know, an incident, not of your doing, then, you know, you end up stuck behind a safety car that's, you know, three miles behind the next group. And because they've grouped up now, that, that you know, margin has grown. The ability to correct that and allow these teams to race amongst themselves once we go back to green is going to make for a much better show. It's going to make for, yeah, I mean, is it going to breed some more safety cars? Perhaps. Um, but I think the intent is to not let the structure of the race hinder the, you know, the 
competition of the race. Yeah. And so I think their, you know, their intentions are good. And, you know, this may choose to be a disaster or may prove to be a disaster, but I think it's actually um, moving in the right direction. I think it's absolutely moving in the right direction. Whatever happens this year, I hope, because it's going to be complicated and it's going to be fraught with issues the first couple of safety cars. Like well, I, I'm predicting the first safety car period to last, all right, 50 minutes wire. You want the over or the under? Oh, I'll take the under. I, I would hope that they've done some simulations. I'm sure they have. And, you know, try to work this thing out. Now, you know, logistically, you can only let the cars get back up to speed so quickly. I mean, you're not going to just do a wave around and then let them go off at 180 miles an hour. It's just not going to happen. So there's going to be, you know, a, a limited pace that they can group up in. Um, but I don't think 15 minutes uh, it, it should be. I don't think it should take 15 minutes. I think you misheard me. You said 50. 50, 5 zero. Oh, I'm taking the under. I think I think the first one, just the first one. No, I'll take the under. I think they are going to have it so unfigured out that they are going to go, uh, wait, who goes where? Where goes this? No, no, you went. I think it's going to get really wonky for that first safety car. Um, if you've done your homework and done simulations, wrong. it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. Now, everything right. in a simulation moves faster than it will on track. So, yes, it could take 15 minutes, but I don't, I don't even think it's, I don't even want it to take that long because we've seen races in the past, not necessarily Le Mans, but where the safety car periods are overly long and they detract from the quality of the race. Sure, they certainly do it, and we'll we'll see what what happens. But I think it's going to get so screwed up the first time that's going to take five zero, five zero, five zero. I'll, I'll definitely said, take the under on that. I hope I'm wrong, but I think the first time they do this new safety car thing, it's going to get really screwed up. Then they're going to figure it out by the end of the race. They're going to have it all figured out. So anyway, uh, why? Are, let's figure out this race, shall we? Let's let's um, let's look at uh, let's start in. Um, Let's start in LMGT, shall we? Um, and talk about who we like there. Of course, the Corvette is always nice um, to see. Um, but I don't know if they're going to do it. You know, there, there's a lot of teams, not you know, not a lot of teams that we are familiar with because there's nobody there from, uh, from IMSA. But... There are some great teams, some great cars in there. Why are who you got? Uh, you know what? Um, gun to my head, Proton Competition, Ryan Hardwick, Zach Robichon, and Jan Halen. I like it going with the Porsche. I'm going to say uh, the Aston Martin. Ian James, um, uh, Alex Riberas, uh Daniel uh, Man Mancinelli uh, in that car there. I think, uh, I, I don't know, I just like the Aston Martin this year. It's a proven package for sure. Yeah, let's go to uh, P2, shall we? Um, uh, you know, couple uh, or, or one team there from uh, um, IMSA, and that is Tower Motorsports uh, with Renee Rast, Ricky Taylor, uh, and Stephen Thomas. Since you picked us, picked first last time, why are, I'm going to pick first, first this time, and I'm going with Tower Motorsports there. That's who you got, huh? Yep. Uh... I will go with uh, United Autosport. 
good call. Team. Good call. Um, I guess it's the 23 car. Tom Bloomquist, Ollie Jarvis, and Joshua Pearson. I like it. Good pick. I think we got some good picks here. So let's get to the pointy end of the field. Um, of course, Cadillac uh, there with a three-car effort. We talked about Porsche's four-car effort. Porsche really, really, really wants to win this thing. They really want to win this thing. Um, but he also got Toyota, of course. Ferrari showing back up to Le Mans. Um, look, Peugeot's there. Uh, you know, hometown favorites for for the French. For me, I think the Peugeot's a little too new. I think the Ferrari's a little bit untested. Um, I think this is going to come down to a race between Toyota, Porsche, and Cadillac, quite frankly. Um, you got to pick, my man. You're making me pick first, huh? Well, you, well you, I'm not saying you have to be first if you All got right. me to I'll, be first. Uh, why don't you pick first? I'm Take ready your to pick. go. Take your pick. Who you Give got? Give me the uh, 75 Porsche with Felipe Nasser, Matthew Jaminet, and Nick Tandy. I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a great lineup right there. Obviously, coming over from WeatherTech, uh, they should do well. However, I am going to say uh, Toyota might win. I'm going with Cadillac. I would love to see it. And I'm going with Pippo Durrani. Uh, Jack Aiken um, uh, and Alexander Sims in the Action Express uh, ran team. So on that note, everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week to talk about the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yeah. For Chris Wire, I'm Clark Sprinkle. Until next week, bye-bye. Boom, 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 boom,